Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The NFL has given us the guidelines with which they expect teams to be able to meet coming into this season, and it has substantial ramifications as they've sent a memo out to teams letting everybody know exactly what they expect and exactly what will happen regarding COVID-19 coming into this season, which raises a question about roster construction. It raises a question about how teams are going to handle this, and really it raises questions about players and their ability to make any decision through all of this. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN News, Bart Scott, Jason Fitz. We're sitting in for the guys. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and in just a second we'll head over uh, to the Goodyear hotline to get some thoughts on this from one of our favorites. First, I want to take a second and make sure everybody understands a couple of things about the COVID-19 memo that went out to teams. Number one, we're not making this a political conversation. This is not about what anybody thinks on any of it. This is about what the NFL has clearly spoken and what they've told teams that they want teams to do. This is a demand they are making of every franchise. Number two, as we are used to seeing 85% thresholds, if you meet that, there's different restraints. This is substantially different. They are now telling everybody that a game, uh, they don't want games to be postponed. Games will instead simply be forfeited, and that will result in a loss. If the forfeiture is caused from an outbreak that was uh, the result of an unvaccinated player. That's an important piece of context here. So if an unvaccinated player on a roster causes an outbreak that forces what would have been a postponement in the past, it will now instead uh, result in a forfeiture, which results in a loss. Also, that means nobody in the game gets paid. And also, it means that the team that caused this forfeiture will have to then handle any expenses involved in it. So you're talking about layers of monetary responsibility through all of it. It, it, This is a a wide-reaching scope within the NFL of exactly how they intend for all of it to be handled. And as has been smartly pointed out, we haven't heard from the NFLPA. So we can only presume that they've been involved in this also. This is the new starting point for every single one of you with with your favorite team. And how they'll handle it. So let's get some expertise. We're going to head over to the Goodyear hotline. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider is there with us. And Mike, we've got some battles on uh, on contenders to get to. We've been texting with Mike all, all morning, but we wanted to start here because of your GM expertise. From a GM standpoint, knowing what you now know about what the NFL has told teams to do, how would you handle sitting down with your team? Yeah, guys, basically what the league came out and said is, we're going to use peer-to-peer accountability to get everyone over this 85% threshold. And obviously, you know, the union has signed off, as you alluded to, Jason. We haven't heard from them, but this is a mandatory term of uh, collective bargaining in terms of it's a term and condition of employment, and therefore the union would be involved. So clearly they've signed off as well. And I think what the league is saying, like, look, you know, we could put out all these memos in terms of why it's good for you, why the vaccine is so important, but at the end of the day, with paychecks on the line, and we saw Zeke Elliott's sort of uh, reaction at the press conference yesterday where he was half kidding about game checks, but when game checks are on the line, I think what the league is saying is, hey, we've gone as far as we can go, and now we want peer-to-peer accountability to hopefully get us over this 85% threshold. Now, also, you how does this affect you with your roster construction as well? When you have, We know that you have a bunch of superstars, you have a bunch of others, right? And how would this weigh as far as being able to you know, make determinations about who should make the final roster? You know, it's a great question, Bart, and I think the benefit of the doubt without question is going to go 
to the players that are vaccinated because you're jeopardizing the season. Now that we're bringing forfeits into you know, the discussion, and, and clearly last year I think the closest we got was the Denver Bronco quarterback situation, but now that the league has clearly come out and said, hey, unvaccinated players can cause a forfeit from a competitive standpoint, clearly unless an unvaccinated player, in my opinion, is markedly better, they're going to get cut in deference to a similar player who is vaccinated. Now, TB, not only were you a general manager, you were also a capologist as well, <laughs> correct? Um, so when you talk about the team that, you know, that forfeits also are responsible for all of the financial um, uh, responsibilities for not only maybe the team that, that was supposed to play, but also for the, um, for the game, what, what does that look like? Like, can, can you even understand it? I can't understand how much that can even add up to. Well, you know, if you're talking about game checks, guys, let's just keep in context that, you know, we're, we're talking about teams spending upwards of $190 million to $200 million in, in cash on a year. Now, some of that's prorated signing bonuses, so the structure of the contracts can matter. But, you know, if players are going to be paid now over 18 weeks, we're talking about substantial amounts of money. And then, you know, there's other things, too, Bart, that we haven't even gone to, which is, like, the expenses of travel and you, you, when NFL teams travel, they're massive parties, 140, 150 people. So hotels per diems, we're talking about, you know, tens of millions of dollars for when teams, you know, what we're talking about between salaries and all these other ancillary expenses. So there's significant economic risk. If again, I think the league was very clear if cancellations are caused by an unvaccinated player. And I think that's the key is I think there's somewhat, drawing a line of saying, if you're vaccinated and this happens, we're going to handle that completely different. Mike, we're talking to Mike Tannenbaum, a former NFL uh, front office uh, ever guru, really, and uh, he's our NFL front office insider. Mike, I, I want to get a little clarity because you're just a heck of a lot smarter on this stuff than I'll ever be because one of the lines here in the memo they said, uh, we will seek to minimize the burden on the opposing clubs or clubs if a player – uh, uh, if a player cannot play, if a club cannot play due to a COVID spike in vaccinated individuals, we will attempt to minimize the competitive and economic burden on both participating teams. I don't really understand how they can attempt to minimize the competitive burden if they're saying that there's no postponement and only cancellation. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great question, Jason. Uh, and clearly, I think what they're when you hear that, they're leaving themselves a little wiggle room. Like, again, if we go back a year ago, there were a couple games that got shifted to the middle of the week. Um, you know, I think the league and the union did a great job of working collaboratively to solve problems the best they could within reason. And one can argue that maybe the Broncos that one week were at a competitive disadvantage, but you know they broke protocols with their masking and they paid the price of basically losing a game because they had to play a wide receiver at quarterback. But I think what they're saying here is that if there's an outbreak with vaccinated players. We're going to show the flexibility we showed a year ago. We're not going to have that same flexibility if you're unvaccinated. And I think what they're saying, and again, to me, communication isn't being, isn't what's said, but what they want to be heard is peer to peer accountability. If you've been vaccinated, make sure your teammates been, because if it hasn't, it's going to impact your season and potentially it could impact your game check. And again, I think Zeke Elliott kind of gave a window into what players are going to be thinking. And Bart, you certainly know about this, that, you know, players don't want to jeopardize game check. You know, it's players have short careers. They're short windows. Uh, every game check is extremely important. And, um, you know, the league is using this, I think, as a final step to get over this threshold. Now, Mike, uh, you know, 
the deadline to opt out for COVID has passed. Do you think they should maybe open that window back up to give players an opportunity to really rethink if they want to sit out? We saw what DeAndre Hopkins said. Um, So do you think they should maybe open that window up to give players a a week or two to consider if they want to go forward with this NFL season under current terms? Bart, I think it's a great point. I thought about that a little bit last night. You know, we've seen, as you mentioned, Hopkins, Cole Beasley, and without question, it's a personal choice. And I'm sure players, there are going to be some that have a very – in their mind, well thought out uh, reason why they don't want to get vaccinated. It's a personal choice, and uh, I think that would be fair and reasonable. And again, I think it bears repeating, guys, the fact that we haven't heard from the NFLPA tells us everything we need to know. They have signed off on this. This is a term and condition of employment. That means it has to be collectively bargained. And I do think, Bart, it would be fair and reasonable, given the circumstances, that if a player, for whatever reason, feels like getting vaccinated isn't appropriate for them, They should have the right to opt out as they've been given the last two years. Is there still time to get that done, Mike? I mean, are we with the memo going out without that contingency? Can something still happen? I think so, Jason. And here's why. Um, Unfortunately, we just saw a significant injury with Cam Akers. And there's going to be, as we know, other injuries and unforeseen things that happen between now and opening day. It always does. When I was at the Jets, we traded for Brett Favre and Chad Pennington in training camp. Things happen all the time. So, it's not ideal, but if I'm the Buffalo Bills and Cole Beasley doesn't want to be there, I'd rather know candidly on July 23rd than August 23rd. Is it ideal? No, but now I have another you know, four to five weeks to find another receiver. Again, going to the Rams, I know it's not apples to apples. Unfortunately, they lost a really good player in Acres, but now there's four or five running backs that can at least acclimate into their system over training camp. It's a lot better than losing Cam Akers the week of you know the regular season, so is it ideal? No, but there is enough time to let players opt out and for teams to make the best plans they can. We're talking to Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, Jason Fitz, Bart Scott sitting in for the guys on ESPN radio. And now we get to the trash talking portion of it earlier in the show. Innocently, <laughs> we're just, you know, we're talking about who would be the biggest threat to the Buccaneers for the Super Bowl. And we played some audio of Mike Tannenbaum on Get Up saying it's the Cowboys, to which Bart Scott, you know, it may or may not have disagreed with some passion because I'm pretty sure that Bart Scott's passionate about his socks in the morning. He brings that level of energy to everything. Stripes or dots. <laughs> So, you know, it it has resulted in some trash talking uh, back and forth. Mike, defend yourself, good sir, on your Cowboys take. Well, silly me. I just want to go with the facts. You know, they may have the best (laughs) offense in all of the NFC, including your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In terms of you have a young ascending quarterback in Dak Prescott, I don't think he gets enough credit. If he's healthy, they're getting back three offensive linemen in Lyle Collins, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith, who combined this 36 games. And they have two frontline number one receivers in Cooper and C.D. Lamb. And, Bart, you know it's really hard to defend two receivers and double-team them the whole time and not impact your speed. And you have a guy in Zeke Elliott who I think will play better. On the other side of the ball, look, we all know how much they struggled last year in defense. I do believe in Dan Quinn. I think they'll be markedly better. And when you think about – a complete team, obviously huge question marks in Green Bay for the obvious reasons. And outside of Tampa, I think they are the most, they have a chance to be the most complete team. And as it relates to the Rams, as I texted you guys, I think the Rams are a fascinating study in this. They have a great four or five players, Ramsey, Donald, Stafford, all well-documented. But unfortunately, Cam Akers illustrates the point of 
They don't have cap room, and they don't have a lot of depth, and really more so on the offensive line. If something would happen to Andre Whitworth or Havenstein, they don't have a lot of depth at the offensive line. And when you have a 33-year-old quarterback who can't move great, that would be a concern. But, you know, when you look at it, if you if I was comparing quarterbacks and as far as who I believe was a better quarterback, I think that – that go that's that goes to the Rams too, in my opinion. I just don't understand why you hate Matthew Stafford so much. Do you not consider Matthew Stafford a great quarterback? Like what did he ever do to you? Well, Bart, he's 0-3 in the playoffs. Like to me, if you're great with six teams making the playoffs, at some point you're gonna win a playoff game. You know, you and I were part of really good teams at the Jets. We had a good, not a great quarterback in Mark Sanchez. He won four playoff games. And all I'm saying is Matt Stafford came out the same year in 09, and he's never won a playoff game. And the definition of greatness is making those around you better. So he's had 12 years to illustrate greatness that he hasn't done. I think he's good. I just don't think he's great. And when you have the lack of depth they have and you have a 17-game season, I think the Cowboys are younger and they're going to get better. And I think the Rams are going to be holding on. I, I'm go ahead, Mark. Well, I mean, I, I disagree slightly because I saw that same organization. You can ask that same question, and Barry Sanders probably only has one, and we all agree that he was great. But then, what did Ben Roethlisberger do to you? Because he did nothing. <laughs> you got a list, Mike. Well, he took, well, he took us. He took a, a championship game victory out of our hands. That is and true. In all seriousness, that is one of the many reasons I feel the way I do. We know firsthand, Bart, how great Ben Roethlisberger was, how tough he was, how strong he was, how he could get the ball down the field, and that's just not the facts anymore. Last year, yards per pass attempt, and I heard Ryan Clark before, and you know, I think the world of Ryan, but he can't get the ball down the field, and when you lose three offensive linemen, Alejandro Villanueva, David DeCastro, and most notably Marquise Pouncey, and you're 39 years old and you've made over $200 million, you simply don't want to get hit anymore. I get it. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You're an all-time great. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers made a mistake. I've made it before. When you're in the front office, you can't pay players for what they've done. You have to pay them for what they're going to do. And he's just not the same player. And to take it further, if I'm a Steeler fan, where I'm really concerned is this. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield are three young ascending quarterbacks. You do not have a quarterback of your future, and I believe Pittsburgh will be eliminated. And if I'm them, I have to find out what I have in Dwayne Haskins because my future at quarterback is tremendously uncertain and the three competitors are solidified, and that's another concern if I'm a Steeler fan. I say this all the time, or this is what I've been using for the last couple of weeks. You know, once a man, twice a baby. And Big Ben is not the quarterback that he used to be. But, you know, this is an organization that was able to win ugly, right? They have, I believe, the best defense in the division. And with Najee Harrison having a great passing game, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have to be who he used to be. He can be who he was when he first got in this league. And this was a guy that threw the ball 15, 16 times a game, leaned on a great running game, and able to take shots. I would argue that the the team with the best weapons as far as from a skill position, I would say that I would argue and say that the Steelers are are right there. I would take Claypool as the best receiver in the division. Y'all are both losing your minds. They're like at some point have neither of you heard of the Kansas City Chiefs? Like if we're talking about best teams, I mean No, we're talking about in the division. We're talking about I mean you guys AFC North. Okay. Okay. Uh, So uh, all right then then I'll I'll Jason Jason you're showing incredible discipline not bringing up the Raiders and I've been on you know for 16 minutes this is the longest I've ever talked to you and you haven't 
mention them yet. Well, I was going to text you after the hit and ask you what you think, Mike. I, no, I, I'm just and, – and look, I, I get what you're – we've been having the, the Ben debate over the last couple of days. I think, you know, to me, the Ben debate is all about whether or not you think there's anything left in the tank. But even if there is something left in the tank, it's not enough to put him on the same level to put the Steelers, in my mind, on the same level where the Chiefs are going to be this year. Like, whatever version we get of Ben this year is at best a medium playoff team – or a meh team to me, and, like and and to go back to, to the conversation we were having before, Bart and Mike, like uh, if we're talking about biggest threats, uh, this version of Ben and this version of the Steelers aren't that. And frankly, as much as we might like the Rams or we might like the Cowboys, the Chiefs are the biggest threat to the Buccaneers because they were better than the Buccaneers all last season, other than one day. But but here's the other concern that we have to keep talking about. We have to recalibrate ourselves to say 17 games and. Again, I think the Chiefs are similar to the Rams. One game, you know, how can you bet against them? You know, Hill, Kelsey, obviously the greatness of Mahomes. But they've lost some depth, notably someone like Sammy Watkins. And I think this rebuild offensive line is going to be interesting. You know, Long's already been hurt. I love Tooney. I think Orlando Brown's going to be solid. But um, I think the Chargers are nipping at their heels. I like the Chiefs, obviously, in that division. But they're, they can't afford injuries much the way the Rams can either. And that's why I think the season's going to be this extra game to be a great equalizer. Mike, uh, I don't like the fact that you said obviously you like him in the division. Give me a little time for hope. You guys follow on Twitter at Real Tannenbaum. <laughs> As always, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. That's Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Who doesn't like saving money? Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Have we left a team out that might challenge to be the biggest challenger for the Buccaneers? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. There's one team we haven't talked about that I think deserves to be on that list. Dennis in Delaware. Thanks for calling the show, man. Who you got as the biggest challenger? Hey, guys. I think it's the Tennessee Titans, and I'll tell you why. I think they easily win the AFC South. You know, they have Julio Jones now. You're always going to get a heavy dose of Derrick Henry. Tannehill's been playing great. They've overhauled their defensive uh, coaching staff, added some players. They got an easy schedule. They were in the AFC Championship game two years ago. I think if they could get to the Super Bowl, with a heavy dose of Julio Jones and Derrick Henry, uh, Tannehill plays mistake-free. I, I think Tennessee wins at least 13 games this year. I could easily see them going 13-4. and four. And they play Kansas City this year. If they knock them off, they could be a number one seed. Um, what, what do you guys think? A couple of things on that quick, Dennis. Like, If they're a number one seed, uh, look, as somebody that spent over 20 years of my life in Nashville – uh, I'm not sure that that home field advantage really helps them all that. I'm not trying to – I'm just saying, like, it's not the same as being at home. With, I, I love everything that you said there about their strengths, but I think part – everything he mentioned was on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I, we can't question. Yeah. It's going to be a great offense. I, I think Tannehill uh, uh, is being slept on a little bit as a quarterback. Their weapons on the outside are incredible. Derrick Henry is one of, if not the best running back in the NFL, and their offensive line is really freaking good. This is all about can they get after uh, any sort of a pass rush. And if Bud Dupree's healthy, maybe, but that's a big if. And it's surprising, right, the fact that Vrabel is supposed to be this defensive guru – 
and he can't figure out a way to be able to get you know timely stops. And I think that's going to be their Achilles heel. Like and that's asking a lot for Bud Dupree to come off of ACL surgery to be able to trust him and be a dominated force. I would argue to say that Bud Dupree benefited from being opposite of, of T.J. Watt because when it was pretty much pretty much about Bud Dupree. And before T.J. Watt got there, he wasn't able to be as productive as he was after T.J. Watt got there. Yeah, and they don't have any – I mean, they don't have another person that can take some of that pressure off. So, going to be interesting. You guys can keep chiming in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Don't forget, you need to tune into an interleague battle Sunday. The Brewers host the White Sox. Presented by Credit Karma, coverage of Sunday Night Baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. All right, up next, will Oklahoma's move to the SEC happen sooner? Oh, see what we did there? Or later? (laughs) We'll get some expertise on it next. KJ and Z on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. This is going to be like the Bing Bang. Uh, It is so big. Do you think the SEC would really want Texas and Oklahoma to actually join the conference? I, I think they would want them. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Feels about once a week like we get some hold my beer moment that is making traditionalist college football fans shake all the way to their core as change seems to be the only certainty that we're getting this summer around college football. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN News. Jason Fitz sitting with Bart Scott. And uh, look, it's it's chaos. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, by the way. Uh, absolute chaos throughout the college football world as we figure out one day what name image likeness means. The next day we figure out what playoff expansion could look like. And now we get rumors of the possibility that Oklahoma and Texas are looking to leave the Big 12. So we need to get some expertise. And we do it from the person who, to be quite transparent, whose phone I blow up every time something happens. Because she's the best expert we have. Heather Dinich, ESPN college football writer, absolutely rock star, Covering all of this, uh, Heather, I feel like it's been minutes since I asked you the questions about the future of college football. But let's be real. I mean, this came, it felt like from out of nowhere to a lot of us as we heard these rumors. What was your reaction to the reports? 
Well, it's not only everybody watching that it came out of nowhere, too. It was the rest of the Big 12. I mean, that's the feeling that I've gotten from talking to other decision makers within that conference is they were blindsided by this. I mean, it was only a week or so ago that they were on a call together talking about how a 12-team playoff could potentially benefit their league. And, you know, had you asked some of these people earlier in the week about possible dissension within the league and they would have said you're crazy right and and now we're sitting here with this so yes I was surprised um, but I think that people within the big 12 were also taken aback by it now what's the likelihood of this actually happening and if it does happen what does that mean for the conference as a whole can they survive without their two two bell cows as um, Feinbaum said So that's exactly what they are trying to figure out. They had this video conference last night, and the one thing coming out of it was we have questions and we need answers. Oklahoma and Texas were not on that call. That's important, right? Um, they, They didn't give a reason. They haven't made any comments to the media. And the next step now is for those other eight schools to find out answers from Oklahoma and Texas about how serious they are because they don't know right now. So they sort of scratched the surface in that video conference as far as talks about what do we do if they actually do leave um, and, and things like that. The one thing they made clear was that if Oklahoma and Texas do leave, they've got to abide by the Big 12 bylaws, which as Fitz mentioned, 18 months notice and $76 million for each of them, which I'm sure they would fight in court. And then you've got to also consider that they've got the grant of rights deal, right? And they want them to abide by those TV contracts. So, you know, how far down the tracks is it? The rest of the Big 12 doesn't even know the answer to that. Do we know why? I, I, simple question, but why do they want to go to the SEC? You know, the easy answer is money. But I talked to people who were on that call who said, we don't know their motivation. That's another question that they have. And if it is money, one person said to me, well, let's find a way to get them more money. You know, we can divide it. What are they going to the SEC for? Is it 7 to $10 million? Is that what it's going to be at the end of the day? If it is, let's find a way to share our revenue distribution so they get more money. There are flagship schools. We get it, whatever. Is there a way that we can figure this out? So realistically, Texas A&M spoke out and said pretty passionately they want to be the only team from Texas in the SEC. If this happens, is there movement for Texas A&M? Wow, I would be I would be surprised. I haven't heard that. I mean, you know. You know what I should say? I should say nothing surprises me anymore, but I think they're very happy. They are crushing it in recruiting in the state of Texas. You know, I think that that's part of the problem is that A&M is out recruiting Texas. So, you know, I don't expect them to move, but if Texas and Oklahoma do join the SEC, it is a domino effect of what would happen throughout the rest of the college landscape. Heather, stick with domino effect for a second because, you know, it's hard for me not to put if this, then that, right? Like playoff expansion became a conversation recently. And now all of a sudden, maybe winning a conference isn't as important. How much does the conversation around at-large bids for playoff expansion allow for more teams to look at joining a super conference if necessary because they have a clear path to the playoff even if they don't win their conference? 
Well, that's the thing, and that's a concern with from other leagues if Oklahoma and Texas were to join the SEC. Because if you go nine and two, or um, you know, I'm sorry, ten and two, or, or nine and three in that league, you're probably getting in, right? So other people are looking at this and saying, "Wait a minute, do we want a seven seven SEC teams in a twelve team playoff?" No, I'm not going to sign off on that. So as we sit here in a summer of feasibility exploration as to can this twelve team playoff actually happen? You throw this monkey wrench into it, and that would certainly change people's opinions. Right now, before this news broke, there's a lot of support for it. People were excited about it. And now, when you consider that factor into the equation, uh, some people are pumping the brakes, saying, wait a minute, I'm I'm not so sure about that. And so, you know, if they were to do that. Some people have said a four-team super conference with 16-team leagues, right? Well, what happens to the Big 12? And that was part of their conversation, like I said, scratching the surface. Do they go after BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, other schools that showed interest the last time these conversations and explorations started? And if so, what happens to all of those other conferences um, that aren't in the four super conferences? So a lot of questions, you know, not a lot of answers. We don't even know if this is going to happen, but it certainly would impact the playoff. Do, do you feel like, stick there for one second, Heather, do you feel like other conferences, I'll use the Pac-12 as an example, are now going to have to be aggressive about putting feelers out to make sure that they have the opportunity to rise if we're looking at that as a realistic possibility in the future. Oh, I promise you that every other decision maker in the sport of college football is watching this like a hawk because if it does happen, they have to be prepared and it's going to be survival of the fittest and there's going to be a mad scramble, right? So every other power player is trying to figure out, okay, if this happens, what's my next move? And I wouldn't be surprised if the ACC is involved in conversations at some point, if the Pac-12 is involved in conversations with Oklahoma and Texas. Um, You know, we continue to focus on the SEC, and rightfully so, because that's the story, and that's where the conversations were made informally. But hold on a minute. Is everybody else still out of the picture? I think there are a lot of other directions that this has the potential to go. But yes, everyone is watching this and knows that they have to be ready if something happens. Follow her on Twitter, at CFB Heather. Heather, as always, you make all of us smarter. Really appreciate your insights, my friend. Thank you so much. So, you know, Bart, what's interesting to me through all of it is when you think about what Heather just told us. A week ago, the Big 12 thought everything was good. And now everything's not. Like, even if you try, as we always say, to put the toothpaste back in the tube— how do you regain trust with Oklahoma and Texas? Like, I feel like even right. if Texas doesn't go somewhere right now, the rest of the Big 12 is going to say, well, if not now, then when? I wonder how, when, how how's this sparking conversation to be proactive in some of the other um, Power 5 conferences to make sure that we're good because you don't want to be blindsided like, you know, like the Big 12 was blindsided. And it's amazing how quickly things can shift and things can move. And it's, it's hard, too, because – What I want in a perfect world for college football is this great balance nationally where every conference, if we end up with four huge conferences, I want them to have great schools in all of them, right? But but the difficulty in that is that I'm not sure the brands are out there that make that happen. I mean, if Texas and Oklahoma suddenly find themselves in the SEC, there isn't a Texas or Oklahoma that the Pac-12 can add that's going to make the Pac-12. Like, uh, I keep asking, I asked it yesterday, I asked it today, like, how do we make West Coast football, college football relevant at some point? I, I don't know that answer. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, it maybe makes – because the visibility 
to the East Coast is, is not there. So it's like the West Coast bias. I don't know how you fix that, you know, maybe later start times for the East Coast. I don't know. It, it's going to take people a lot smarter than me to figure that one out. But that's, that's always tough because of the time zone difference. Well, and I sat to that end. I sat in a college football conference a, a couple of years ago where the Pac-12 openly talked about their late kickoffs and just the way the, the news cycle works. Because so often the kickoffs late at night give highlights that would be run on Sunday mornings. But by Sunday morning, we're all into the NFL. NFL. Everybody's moved. So part of the reason the last couple of years they've been doing more and more early kickoffs is because they just want their highlights to run all day. It's the way you advertise your school, advertise your sport. I'm just looking around thinking, you know, as much as I love the idea, you know, as a Vegas kid of UNLV ending up in the Pac-12 that doesn't suddenly that, that that's not Oklahoma that's not right. Texas like there aren't brands like that available for all the other conferences so i feel like even through mega conference we're still going to end up with the haves and the have nots and that that seems it seems weird, to, to say the least. We'll keep breaking it down, obviously, as we get more information. But it's never too early for over and unders, including a Tom Brady stat you will absolutely not believe. We'll get you some over under Vegas thoughts. That's after Bart has this from O-O-O-O'Reilly. <laughs> we need auto parts, O'ReillyAutoParts.com. Well, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. They offer convenient options for you to get your auto parts quickly. Order online at O'ReillyAutoParts.com and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. They'll bring it out to you curbside, or you can choose to have your auto parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Get your auto parts quickly with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com today. Hey, it's Greeny, headed towards a football Friday. Training camps are open. The Steelers and Cowboys have begun. The rest are right around the corner. We'll have all the big stories covered for you. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, I love this music, man. It, do, it, it just it hits different, right? right? Like, 
It just built up, man. It kind of just hits different this time of year. Like when we played in June for a thing, like it's there, it's still good, but like it feels close. Evan, that's because you, you like Evan. By the way, our producer extraordinaire talking to us uh, is uh, you're you're a big baseball fan. Yeah, like for me, growing up as like an NFL guy, it doesn't matter what time of year you play because it just makes me think. Like it gives me all the feels, the goosebumps. Like if I had any hair on my arms, it would stand up. I I got to shave these things. Just for me, it's different seeing the guy. Guys at training camps, nah, man, seeing hit, the hit, video. This hit hard, man. This this like gets to your chest. You know, like Phil Collins in in, in air tonight. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it just makes your your hairs on your arm pop up, man. Which always makes me think of the Hangover. Now, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Bart Scott, Jason Fitz in for the guys. I'll tell you a great in the air story at the next commercial because the yeah. world doesn't care. Uh, Evan, we're gonna do some over under, right? Get some Vegas fun in here. Yeah. So over unders. They came out yesterday from Caesars William Hill. We had some. Some quarterback prop bets that came out, so we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna give you guys a number. You're gonna tell me if the uh, player is gonna be over or n- under that number. Derek Carr, seven thousand touchdowns, forty eight t- uh, uh, forty eight thousand yards over. Great, Bart okay. in arena league. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, I'm sitting right here. Okay, go ahead. Carson Wentz, ooh, twenty four and a half passing touchdowns over or under. Come on, man, this is too easy. He's going to be back there burping the baby. He's going to be able to go down there and go through his progressions like never before. This is absolutely uh, over. He's definitely going to get more than 24 touchdowns. Phillip River had 33. He barely was alive. Yeah, I, you know what? I think I think Bart's right. Yeah, I'm going to go over on this, especially knowing what Phillip Rivers did last year. I, I don't know that Carson Wentz is going to be as good in my mind as Bart has him, but you know, I think he's going to be good enough to take them to the wild card. Patrick Mahomes. Under. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Over, under, one touchdown. (laughs) What you got? Over, under, 38 and a half passing touchdowns. Uh, No, I am taking the under on that. How how do you like that? 38 and a half is a big number. Uh, Everything's got to break right, and it's still a weird NFL season. So I'm taking the under. This This is a passing league. Um, you look at what Ben Roethlisberger did. We just had Ben through 33. I mean, we would say that uh, Ben Roeth- I mean, that Patrick Mahomes is greater than Ben Roethlisberger, right? You talk about all these explosive plays where he can throw bubble screens. He can throw a little dump-off passes to, to Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think it's definitely over. I think he goes for at least maybe 42. Just a reminder, 17 games this year. There's the extra game. So uh, that, that factors into some of these numbers. Okay, okay. Trevor Lawrence, the rookie, number one overall pick, 24 and a half passing touchdowns. He's going to go under, man. It's half be, to it's Tim Tebow. It's it's, right, right. It's going to be a, a learning curve. A learning curve for, 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 for Lawrence. I think he's going to you know, have some bright spots. I don't expect him to have that Herbert type of season. Herbert was able to have that season because he had a team that was ready to go. That's why they had you – know, that's why they had um, – no, I forget his name. Never mind. Yeah, over. Her, yeah, uh, uh, under. I, I'm taking the yeah. under uh, for Trevor Lawrence, too. Yeah, uh, Justin Herbert, such a different situation. We forget how talented that Chargers roster was coming in. And, and, I mean, it's a roster that people thought was Brady capable to, to go to a Super Bowl, right? So, uh, I'll take the under on that one. Tyrod Taylor was the, the force I was thinking about, too. Okay. That's – are we good? Yeah, we're good. Are you good, Evan? I'm I'm fine. Bart throws me off sometimes because I don't know if he's actually talking or if he's just like thinking out loud. So sorry, my bad. I got thrown off there. Uh, the number two overall pick, 
Zach Wilson, 20 and a half passing touchdowns. Please say over. Please say over. Please say over. I'm saying under just to make you mad. Like, it's, this is the time of year every year. Evan and I have known each other for a few years now. This is the time of year where I give you the massive uh, uh, reality check for the Jets every single year, and you're right? right like, every single I, year. I, look, I love Zach Wilson, the kid. Um, I, and, and a lot of people fell in love with Zach Wilson, the quarterback. But I, I think it's a little blind to just presume that he's going to make the jump from BYU after a meteoric rise that he had in his last year at BYU. I think it's just a big jump to make. I, I think he could be very good, but it's asking a lot this year. I'm going to go under, but I think just slightly under, like at 19. I think this is a team that's going to play, try to play great defense and run the football. I think they're going to run the football whenever they get inside the 20 screen passes, things like that. But I think he's going to be slightly under at maybe like 19. But So I'll go under. All right, we've done enough passing touchdowns. Let's move to passing yards. Dak mm. Prescott, over or under 4,750 and a half yards. That's 4,750.5. That feels like a lot, but this is such an explosion. I don't know. I, I keep going back to what all the experts are talking about, though, Bart, with Zeke. Like, yeah. Zeke's going to be a bigger part of the offense. Like, uh, look, I'll say it this way I think Dak this season is going to be in the zone, getting the zone brought to you by AutoZone, getting the zone, AutoZone. But I'm still taking the under because I think this offense is going to run through Zeke more. Yeah, absolutely. To your point, you know, the, the last time this defense was respectable was because they really limited the possessions with Ezekiel Elliott because as, as fast as he throws, you know, he's going to wear out his defense because they're going to have to have elevated plays and it's a law of diminishing returns if they have to play more snaps than they need to be. So you slow the game down by running the ball and try and win by a couple of uh, scores. But you also have to take to account, I keep forgetting, it's an extra game. Yeah. And, you know, that is a, that's a hell of a clip to go on. I think if he throws for 40, 47 yards – 4,700 yards, I don't think they're in the playoffs. So I'm going to go under. Look at that. More Cowboys talk coming up in 10 minutes, Fitz. That's called a tease. Matthew Stafford, 4,500 and a half passing yards over under. Well, I'm going to go over because that's what Matthew Stafford does, and that's what they're going to have to ask him to do with Cam Akers going down. I think he's going to have explosive plays, and because of that defense, he's going to get multiple possessions, right, because he's going to be able to get extra possessions because a three and out into a defense is considered a turnover, right, because if you can get them out of the field, especially knowing that they're going to throw the ball on third down and you get them off the field and that pass isn't completed, then guess what? The clock doesn't start, and you're going to get that possession back with only being off the field maybe about a minute of actual game time. And so that's going to give you more opportunities to put points on the board and also air it out. Yeah, hammer the over on this one. I'm all in on the over on it big time. Uh, This is going to be a transcendent year for Stafford and for Sean McVay. Next up, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. What do you call him? Junior Whopper hands? Junior Whopper. 37 and a hundred and a half passing yards. Uh, that's 37.00.5 passing yards. I'm going over. Woo! I'm going over. I, I'm a believer in Danny Dimes. I'm a, I'm a believer in Saquon Barkley, which means heavy boxes, which means one-on-one coverage to, I think, their unsung hero this year, Derek Slayton, because I think he's a guy that can have that locket type effect, and he's going to be able to do that because he's going to be the third option and the forgotten guy on that roster. My issue with this one is health and availability, right? Like, I just uh, looked it up again to make sure I haven't lost my mind. Played in 13 games his rookie year, played in 14 games last year. I know we get an extra game, but I just feel like that number is big for Daniel Jones at this point. So I'm actually going to take the under. And I'm not saying that as a statement to his effectiveness as a quarterback. I just don't know that the yards are going to be there depending on what his availability looks like. 
Lamar Jackson, the former MVP, 925 and a half rushing yards for Lamar Jackson over under. I'm going under because I think Lamar Jackson is going to have to start playing from the pocket a little bit, especially when he gets this money. He want to make sure that he can live up to it. And to live up to it, he has to be available. And, you know, eventually somebody's going to get him the right way. He can't keep putting himself at harm's way. They went out and got Bateman. They went out and got um, Sammy Watkins. I think they're going to try and air the ball out a little bit more and, and, and take some of the run attempts away from Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'm actually going to go over. Uh, I, I think this is just part of his game. I don't think he's going to change. I think he does what he does and we're going to watch it dominate. What do you got, Evan? Last one, Tom Brady, 35 and a half passing touchdowns. Over. I'm going under. Uh, I think this team operates better in the two tight end set, which means running the ball. I think, you know, Tom Brady's not going to air it out. Death by a thousand paper cuts. So when they get down there, they're going to they're going to hand the ball off. Why you got to show a Raiders highlight as we're doing that? All right, coming up, why Zeke Elliott doesn't need much motivation in 2021, and neither do I now. Next, KJ and Z. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.